Hello and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. This week we're covering the Edemic Covenant. We'll have a short review of the Edenic Covenant from the last time we gathered. The Edenic Covenant was a conditional covenant between God and Adam, which means there were conditions to this covenant regarding creation and life in the Garden of Eden. That's what it's named after. It was a time of innocence. Adam was to live in the land that God had given him, and God set before him a choice to do things God's way or his own way. Just one simple test of obedience while Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And now, let's set the stage for the Adamic Covenant. It begins with Chapter 3 of Genesis. Enter, stage left, the snake. The whisperer of magic spells, an enchanter, one who hisses. All these descriptions come from the Strong's Concordance, but the snake is not clearly identified as Satan in this particular passage. Since the entire Bible is 66 books connected to tell the entire history, we can understand this hissing creature a bit better through their edition. So as we take a look at Ezekiel chapter 28, it tells us this creature was in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was his covering, that he was beautiful, and when he was created, he was able to sing with his pipes and make music. Revelation 19 and 20 describes the snake as the great dragon that was cast out of heaven, the old serpent called the devil, that Satan who deceived and deluded the whole world. He was cast out, and his angels were cast out with him. Yes, this serpent was more subtle, crafty, and cunning than any beast of the field. This serpent is referred to in Ezekiel as one whose heart was lifted up against God. This serpent, who led others in worship of God in the past, who used to be the worship leader in heaven, thought himself to be greater than God. It was this serpent who was cut down and cast out of heaven, along with a third of the angels. Dr. Luke, in chapter 8, tells us a story about the devils or demonic beings under certain circumstances having the ability to indwell human or animal bodies. In Luke's story, it was a herd of swine. Now that we can see how the serpent in the garden is tempting Eve and who this serpent was, you may have even more questions before we continue. Why is Eve talking to the serpent? Where was Adam? Why was Adam not protecting the weaker vessel from the enemy? Do you remember me mentioning last time 1 Peter 3, 7? 
Likewise, you husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The enemy's first attack was causing Eve to question what God had said by trying to undermine the words of her Creator. Do we see the enemy trying to undermine God's word so much more in our day? Of course. So many today are ripping out the passages of Scripture that they don't believe are true right out of the Bible and rewriting or reconstructing them to draw even more souls away from the truth. This kind of evil has even infiltrated our churches. God does not mention where Adam was when Eve was conversing with the serpent. Eve noticed the fruit was pleasant to her sight and was convinced it would make her wise. She then shared it with Adam, and he ate of it as well. They both understood what they had done. They became aware of their nakedness and tried to hide it right away by sewing fig leaves together to hide their nakedness and hide themselves from God when he came into the garden in the cool of the day. Where are you? God asks. Don't think for a minute that God lost his created beings. <laughs> he knew full well where they were. Just like your mom knows where you're hiding when you get into the cookie jar and hide behind the door to eat them. Where are you? The first game of kick the can was played here and the shame and guilt was passed on from Adam to Eve to the snake. The conditional promise of innocence in the Garden of Eden was now obviously broken, and the consequences were rolled out. God could have destroyed them right then and there, but by his mercy, he didn't. He told the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all the other livestock and beasts of the field, and will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Eve will have pain during childbirth, and she will long for her husband, and he will govern her. Adam will work the land in sorrow, and they were placed outside of the Garden of Eden, whose entrance was now guarded by angels and a flaming sword. This was the beginning of a world filled with evil. Not because God wanted it, but because Adam and Eve disobeyed God and chose to do life on their own terms instead of on God's terms. Some commentators blame all of this on Eve and some all on Adam. But in looking at scripture, I agree with other scholars who see the responsibility was on Adam, as God gave Adam the commands on how to live in Eden, and the responsibility was on Adam to teach his helpmeet, his wife, these commands. God set Adam up as the head of the household. It was God who told Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was Eve who told the serpent that we are not to eat from the tree in the midst of the garden and added that they were not even supposed to touch it. 
So without proper instruction, Eve was ignorant of what God's commands were. We have a scenario of beings reaching out for the power to be like God. The ironic thing is that the fruit itself was a picture of what God already was for them. The fruit looked good. God is right and just and pure and lovely. The fruit tasted good. God's word tells us to taste and see that the Lord, he is good. The fruit in the enemy's deception made it look like it would make one wise. In reality, God is wise and gave wise instructions. Had Adam and Eve not been so nearsighted, they would have seen, tasted, and realized that God was already those things to them. Mankind still reaches out for things to fill their senses with pleasure and power and wisdom, things that do not require submission to anyone. They want it on their own terms. To this day, some see God as the old white-haired being in the clouds with his finger on that smite button, someone ready to destroy us. In reality, we see a picture of God full of mercy and forgiveness. Not only did God not destroy Adam and Eve on the spot, he made another way for them to be reconciled to him and to bring others with them. Here come the consequences of breaking the Edenic covenant and thankfully walking into another covenant with God. God saw that Adam and Eve tried to hide their shame of what they had done with the fig leaves But God, in his wisdom, knew that this would not do. So God made robes of animal hides, which meant there must have been death of an animal for the very first time, which was a foreshadow of a time in the future. The two realms of heaven and earth are now breached. God said, Behold, the man has now become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, so that man doesn't reach out and also take of the tree of eternal life and eat and live in this state of sin forever, God sent them out from the garden to work, to work the ground from which he was taken. But first, God made proper garments for them to wear. It was time for Eve to begin her experience of sorrow, dependence, and subjection to her own husband, and Adam to enter into a new career of hardship and toil, of working the ground by the sweat of his brow. This next covenant is an unconditional one. God does not put any conditions on Adam or Eve to keep, but God keeps the Adamic covenant promise himself. Since we know from other scriptures that God is not a liar, we can trust that he will keep this covenant promise. As a result of Adam's sin, his breaking of the Edenic covenant, there is now hatred between the descendants of Eve and the descendants of Satan. There will be painful childbirth for women. Adam will have to work the soil, which is now filled with thorns and weeds. Marriage will no longer be harmonious, and life will be a struggle to survive. 
Death has now entered the world. But even in the midst of God's curse on the pair and on the land, there is a glimmer of hope. God's salvation plan shines through as he puts enmity between the offspring of the woman and Satan. One born from the line of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Satan will be defeated one day by the offspring of the woman. This is a glimpse into the far future of mankind, of salvation through Jesus. And so God's loving, gracious provision for the salvation of mankind shines above the darkness of sin that has entered the world. 1 Corinthians tells us that in Adam all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Later in chapter 15 of Corinthians, it says, And so it was written, The first man, which was Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, referring to Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. So if we trust in Adam's work, then we are trusting in the flesh. If we trust in the finished work of Jesus, then we are trusting in a living soul. Since Adam didn't keep the original conditional promise with God, all mankind suffers in sin. But because another, Jesus, came later to be the perfect sacrifice for sin, all mankind who trusts in him is justified. By the animal sacrifice for Adam and Eve, the sin of disobedience was covered up. By the then future sacrifice of Jesus, mankind is made justified, meaning just as if we had never sinned, if we trust in the sacrifice of Jesus made for us. But that is another covenant podcast in the future. This promise, the Adamic covenant, is unconditional and is made with Adam and all mankind. God will keep this covenant on his own, and it will last as long as there is sin on the earth. So this covenant with the inhabitants of the earth of all time ahead experience the following. Sin entering the world, the foreshadow of the promise of salvation, That old deluder Satan is going to get his eventually. Adam and Eve are banished from the garden. The earth was now cursed and Adam lost the land that was given to him. Physical and spiritual death has now entered the realm and remains until the end of sin on the earth. Yep, sounds like gloom and doom to me. But remember, it was chosen over perfection, by one of our own kind. There are many sects of religious groups that still reach out to become like God. This type of thinking is not relegated to the past with Adam. Others may knock on your door with opportunities for you to become like God, but the word of God is clear. If any of these come to your door preaching a different gospel, telling of different good news, send them away. Have nothing to do with them, and don't even send them off with a blessing. Just send them away and read your own Bible to make sure you have the whole truth. So help you, God. And as we read the whole truth of God's Word, we can see that the DNA thread, or as some say, that red thread of the blood of Jesus throughout the book, 
connects the dots of the standalone story some of us know so well. What was it that Eve said to Adam as she offered, or better said, tempted him with the fruit? Take and eat. I remember hearing those words when Jesus spoke them at the Lord's Supper. We read them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he returns. And believe me, he's coming quick, coming soon to an earth near you. Let's get our hearts ready. Thanks so much for listening to Moments with Moni. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please share it with a friend and subscribe by sending the phrase subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1-703-951-3077. That's subscribe to Moni's Tribe along with your email address to the number 1-703-951-3077. You'll find this information in the show notes. Thanks for listening.